Well, welcome to the Jesus Culture Podcast. Great to have all of you out there, everywhere around the world, some nations even more in lockdown. So I'm assuming that you're just, just binge listening, binge listening to the podcast, wanting to know everything that we're saying. So great to have all of you with us. Excited about today. Um, I probably say that for every single episode we ever do, but I will say this. There's only a handful of times when I can say that our guest today has deeply, deeply shaped and formed uh, who I am spiritually and as a man, as a leader. And so we're excited to uh, jump in today with our friend Lou Engel. Lou, thanks so much for jumping in with us and being a part of the podcast. Ben, anytime I can be with you, it's like a dream come true. That's yeah. even poetry. Come on, come on. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to uh, we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about the topic. Uh, uh, we're actually going to be, we've been dealing with the issue of leadership uh, recently on the podcast, going back to our roots around uh, the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast, JCLP. That's right, back to our roots, where back we began. Back to our roots, that's how it is. This is, this is pre-fill. Pre-filled, yeah. <laughs> JCLP. Uh, but, and we're going to talk today about leading uh, from the prophetic. Mm. And we're just going to talk about leadership and what it is to follow the Holy Spirit. But I do want to let you know, we've been talking about this every episode, every podcast, uh, whether it's Man Camp, Authentic You, the Jesus Culture Podcast, the Sermon of the Week, all of those, uh, the Pastors Podcast, that we have actually officially partnered with World Vision. And uh, we're excited to be able to partner with World Vision. We believe deeply in what they're doing to take care of orphans and the poor around the world. Uh, we, I personally, uh, we're part of a program called Chosen, which is where an orphan actually goes. I just had this happen. It was amazing. They showed me the video. They showed CJ and I the video. I think it's going to come out sometime soon. They showed CJ and I the video of there's uh, World Vision will go into like these places where they're, you know, they're dealing with healthcare and, and food and work and education. Anyways, there was a kid, they had all these families hung up on like these strings with their pictures. Ours, here's why I think he picked us was, I'll tell you why I say it. But anyways, all these kids are sitting there, this kid's sitting there looking, and then he walks up and takes your photo of oh, your family off wow. and like picks you as the sponsor family. It was like, oh. it was so moving. I was like watching this video, That's like crying. Uh, I think he picked us because we actually sent a, the photo that we sent was our family at Disneyland. Yes. <laughs> so Good so, move. I didn't 100%. even think about it. It was just a super cute picture, but my 22-year-old daughter has like Mickey ears on. <laughs> and, 100%. Uh, Good so, move. Yeah, so we have, we've partnered with World Vision. They've got a great program called Chosen. And listen, as Jesus Culture, I say this always, you have got to be about taking care of the poor of the earth. Not everybody can be on the front lines, but everybody can partner with people and organizations on our front lines. So you can check that out. We'll give you some more information a little bit on that too. But uh, Lou, great to have you with us. Um, Lou, can we do this? Because a lot of people would know who you are. Uh, you have obviously filled stadiums, uh, not just stadiums, but fields. How would you describe <laughs> D.C.? But, Masses uh, of land. Bigger than stadiums. Uh, uh, you have mobilized prayer. You've ignited the prophetic movement. Uh, but you also have a life. You also have uh, you also have hobbies and things like that. Um, one of the things I, I I do love about you is this type of stuff. You live in Colorado Springs right now. What is it that are, are you? I mean, did you end up in Colorado Springs because of your passion for fishing? Well, uh, no, I, I ended up in Colorado Springs for my, because of my passion for my family. There we go. <laughs> they all moved to Colorado Springs to be a part of Every Home for Christ and the Axe Missions Movement. Yeah, and. As a great leader, I followed them. <laughs> <laughs> How many grandkids do you have? Well, I have seven children. 
Uh, six of them live here in Colorado Springs. Amazing. One of them is, I can't tell you where she is because she's an unreached people group with her family. 117 degrees yesterday. That's their, that's their world. A one-bedroom little house in an all-Muslim uh, village. Uh, not, no toilet, just a squatty potty and, uh, and happy people. I, I, glorious. We can't we can't talk about where she is, but can, I, I do want to say this real quick because you've you've literally filled stadiums, four hundred thousand plus in D.C. I mean, all over the world. What is it like though to see your kids? So so the, what's the what's the joy in your heart? The comparison. I don't even know if this would be the right question. Of you've 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 done what it is in ministry to mobilize people at a mass level. But to know that your daughter is out there on the radical edge, reaching people for Jesus, like giving her life for that. I mean, is there anything better? No, to me, it's the bottom line. Wow. Uh, to fail there, in some ways, is to fail everywhere. And I, I don't want to say fail. People make choices. Sure. Right. Uh, make choices. But to have your, your children follow in your line, yeah, I, I really feel it's so important that we, that we give them not rules, but we model something that captures them. And somehow my kids have followed after the Lord. This morning I'm in a house of prayer, every home for Christ. I look across the way and there's my son, Josiah, my mm. son, Jesse. Of course, my son, Jonathan leads uh, worship there. And nothing moves me when I see them walking in that totally. house of prayer with their hands, with their faces like this burning for the Lord. Oh. To me, that is the glory. I think Paul says that you are my glory. And so I have 13 grandchildren, Come on. and I pray all the time, God, hotly pursue them. Yeah. Hotly pursue my children and hotly pursue my grandchildren. Chase them down, hunt them down with fiery love. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully, and with my faith, that not one will be lost. Yeah, mm -hmm. so powerful. It's interesting because, uh, you know, my our kids are obviously older than How yours. How do you keep going? I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I'm it's all over now. <laughs> Lucy and, uh, you know, obviously, Becky, your kids are younger, and Phil, your kids are a little bit younger than mine. But it is true. People will come, and they want to know ministry. They're like, man, what's your dreams? What's your passions? And I'm like, honestly, I just want my kids to love Jesus and serve him the rest of their life. Everything else, everything else is just bonus on top of that. Absolutely. Here's what I want more than anything in the world. People think I'm a great prayer warrior. <laughs> so much of it is a myth. <laughs> I, I fast a lot. Then that's when I'm, I think I'm effective. But most of all, when push comes to shove, it's always praying for the kids. Yeah, wow. yeah, wow. yeah, it There's, is. I, I can only pray what burns inside of me. I, I, I've never done a prayer list. It's, it's like I can't do it. <laughs> but oh, I can pray my list to my children. Yes. Oh, uh, anyway. Uh, I love that. Okay, listen, well, I want to talk about the topic, but I do want to talk fishing just real quick. Are you able to get out? Because you're in like Mecca of outdoors in Colorado Springs. Are you able to get out and fish? And well, a absolutely. I mean, I raised my kids fishing. They did. They're all like outdoor hunter, fisher. Yeah, but what happens is that they, they picked up hunting, which I never taught them, and they do elk hunting and bow hunting, and we got those big heads on their uh, you know, <laughs> the antlers and on the walls, and, you know, and then, but fly fishing is skillful. Are you fly fishing? I'm, they, well, they fly set up my rod. They tie my lines and they treat dad like I treated them. When they, were kids. 
they take care of me and they just want me to catch fish. Good job, uh, Lou. They're over there going, good job, these, Lou. We're so proud of you, Lou. <laughs> these guys are great fly fishermen. Do you have the patience for fly fishing? I, I, I get possessed when I'm fishing. Listen, people think, do you have love time with God when you're fishing? No. <laughs> All I can think about is getting that blasted fish. <laughs> but my, my boys are great. And I, I just not too long ago out there, not too long ago, my son was catching fish right at the, in, the, in the late afternoon, ready to go. He was just rolling them in. He said, Dad, come out here. It's really cold ice on the ground. Yeah. Come out here, Dad. I'm going to catch you. You got to catch a fish. I stepped out on ice. Bam, slipped. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Busted my shoulders oh. up. And I'm thinking twice about this now. This is winter ice fishing in no, Colorado. Listen, winter, winter ice fishing is a young man's game, Lou. It's a young man's game. So I don't fish. I wish I did. I've, ne- I've actually never caught a fish in my entire life. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's actually like a, a, a point of great failure in my life. I want to see it change. I would agree. But I told this to, to a friend several years ago, maybe five years ago, and he, he's, a, he's a master fly fisherman. And he said, let, let me take you. So we, we go out, we go fly fishing and he, he has a, a rod that I don't even know. It's, it's expensive. This is the, the, these are no joke equipment. I'm there for like a half an hour and I tr- I'm terrible at casting the line. I get the rod stuck and it snaps in half <laughs> and I'm sitting there realizing, I think I just broke a several thousand dollar oh, piece totally, of equipment. Totally. And um, this is how bad I am at fishing. I not only don't catch fish, I break things when I try. <laughs> and uh, I guarantee like, like my friend was kind, but the look in his eyes was, was like he, every ounce of Christ likeness that existed inside oh, of him, he totally. was having to exercise no. in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, offered, I, I offered to pay for it several times, but the, the, the truth is our, he just we've never talked to me ever again no that's yeah, totally. that's not true well you but, couldn't afford it either so you're like please please don't take me up my offer yes but he's never asked me fishing ever again yeah, that's <laughs> that, a was surprise. My la- that was my last fishing experience still still no fish ever caught. this i do this a lot in life whenever i'm doing things i'm bad at i'm like you know what i'm good at other things there you go i'm good at other things <laughs> just not fishing does derek does derek like derek's just a Musician. musician. His brother is like the yeah. is the opposite of him. So he's the contrast. So his brother oh fly fishes and, and all that. But. I got to tell you, before we get, we're going to get to the next segment, but I, I will say this. He, uh, Lou was talking about how he gets possessed just on catching a fish. So he's not like spending time with God. Like the Lord's not downloading revelation to him as he's fishing and he's not encountering God in the wilderness. He's just a Brian Johnson, full on, I don't know, this is a few years ago. Asked, we were talking and he goes, Brian goes, because Brian's diehard hunting, diehard hunting. Yeah. And he goes, do you think it's bad that I love hunting more than leading worship? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a dead serious question. And I was like, that's amazing. Uh, I think so. Maybe. Like, I, I think, I, I'm not sure that's legal. Like, I think that's what you do for a living. I think that's like you're the call on your life. And you're just like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think he just sits around and thinks about hunting. Now I'll never watch a Bethel stream the same again. Yeah, you're going to watch him up there. About. That's how it is. Well, listen, we're excited. We're going to jump in and have a conversation with Lou about leading uh, through the prophetic. First, I we mentioned World Vision. We want to hear a quick snippet on them, and you can uh, find out more information. In the world's most fragile places, devastating aftershocks of the COVID-19 crisis are pushing families deeper into poverty, putting kids at greater risk of hunger, malnutrition, violence, and neglect. 
Child sponsorship is you making a decision to provide $39 a month for a child in their community in extreme poverty to provide the most basic necessities of life. But most importantly, you provide hope. It is one of the most effective ways to help the world's most vulnerable children in their communities address the impacts of this pandemic and lift themselves out of poverty for good, especially now. The reality is thousands of children are waiting to be sponsored. But what you don't know is everything is about to change. For the first time, World Vision is inviting you to empower a child through sponsorship. Yet instead of you choosing them, they choose you. Something no organization has ever done before. It doesn't matter who you are or where in the world you live. Every single one of us wants to be seen, to be loved, to be chosen. Put the power to choose in a child's hands and give someone a chance to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Text PODCAST to 56170 and sponsor a child now. Uh, Lou, listen, we're, we're really excited to sit down and have this conversation. We've been talking about leadership, but um, so much of the leadership uh, or how I follow God has really been shaped and influenced by you and being with you for so many years and seeing. And one of the things that I've been always been so impressed by you is you really are listening for the voice of God and want to follow that above all else. And, and in all of the things that we've seen, uh, uh, all, all of the things that you've accomplished, all the things that have been built, all the things that have happened, in, the, in that story is the Lord speaking to you. Can you unpack a little bit about how that started for you? As far as like, is that something that's always just been there for you, where, where you are just wanting to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and the prophetic and then that you kind of have a radical risk-taking element to it as well, which we can talk about. But maybe back up. Has that always kind of been how you have led? Well, it's, it's, it's a great question. The, I think that's only grown. I look back to where it began. It wasn't all this dreams, all these things. I grew up in an evangelical church. Never heard a message on dreams. I went to seminary. And I got fired from being a youth pastor. <laughs> my, my youth group grew from 70 to 1. But they were praying. <laughs> I don't even know if they were doing that, but I was insane. I mean, I had no character, but boy, did I have fire. But I think the Lord was in it all, and, and a Jesus movement kind of broke out. And I was teaching on Saturday nights, these kids coming from the city, and uh, I had a dream. And in the dream... I was teaching these kids, and in the dream, I opened my mouth, and nothing came out of my mouth. I could say no words. In the dream, suddenly, these kids spontaneously began singing that song that I found out later had just been written. The song was, I exalt thee, and in the dream, the spirit falls on the kids. Wow. So I thought, well, I don't know what that is. So I just determined I was going to meet with those kids that night, that Saturday night, and I'm not going to teach because that's what it looked like the dream said. I'm going to teach them the song, I Exalt Thee. I taught them the song, and the same thing I saw in the dream, the Spirit fell on the kids, and I begin to realize dreams work. Wow. And from that point on, I believe uh, that I've tapped into a realm 
of uh, divine intelligence that because I believe in dreams and because I do something with them, God gives me them all the time. But he doesn't give them to me. They, he gives them to a community. It's one thing to be a dreamer. It's another thing to, be, to create a dream community. Mm. So when you talk about leadership, in many ways, I would say that my leadership gift is not dreaming. My leadership gift is actually a mouthpiece. When I speak, bones rattle. But there's different kinds of leadership. And I'll just tell this story. You've heard Chris Berglund is a man I made a covenant with 36 years ago to seek God with all of our hearts. From that moment on, he has been the most prolific dreamer. He will tell me when I'm in a whole different city, a whole different country, he will dream for me and tell me what I'm doing. It's mm. stunning. It's covenant love. And I had a dream uh, some years ago. And in this dream, there was a, 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 we were having a, a leadership team. And this woman walks into the circle and says, did anybody have a dream last night? And I said, no, did you? And she said, yes, I had a dream that Chris Berglund, was leading a movement that would touch the world. And in this dream, he said he would touch the world and he would build it on three words, Celeste, Sirens, and Starbucks. Well, most people would say that's a stupid dream, but not me. I got the interpretation. The reason it's not me leading, it's Chris leading it. He's leading it because he taps the celestial realm. Everything comes down from above and I'm... The, Celeste Sirens at Starbucks. I'm the siren mm. for that celestial revelation. Starbucks has always been a problem, but I think it's a play on words. But Starbucks, you know what you get, and it's everywhere. It's apostolic application of the prophetic. So in some ways, I believe that in that dream, in that dream, the Lord was showing me true leadership comes from celestial revelation. But my gift is a public gift. It's an open gift. And when I speak the dreams that I have, our community has, I don't understand it, but bones rattle and movements occur. But I can never build anything because you see, I'm convinced that prophets, or if I'm a nonprofit guy, probably, or gonna say, but prophets need apostles to establish and build and put on the ground with the prophecy. So in many ways, you, you're not just talking about leaders on their own. Yeah. You're talking about a, no leader leads without the, the gift mix of people. So this that's a very precious storyline for me. Yeah. But I have said this. Great leaders give articulation to what that which is being groaned in the masses. Great leaders give articulation to that which is being groaned in the masses. And when they give that articulation, mass movements occur. Yes. That's what's happened with me. I get dreams. I get incredible storylines whirlwinding around me. And I open my mouth. And somehow, with the prophetic, somehow that prophecy has an ability to make bones rattle and movements occur. And that's kind of the way I've led. So you're paying attention, which I, I know this because I've been in meetings with you where we just sit down and you ask, does anybody have a dream? Like, like you are paying attention to how is the Lord speaking to us, particularly through dreams. How do you navigate? Because dreams are, are weird. 
<laughs> I, I mean, uh, our life has been yeah. so shaped and molded by dreams. And I, I, I have a theological, biblical framework for dreams. But there's also so much interpretation involved in them, so much like... Is that the Lord? Is that not the Lord? What does that even mean? Is like it literal? Is it metaphorical? Yeah. yeah. How do you care? How do you care? Like we're literally. There's a dream right now that I'm kind of leaning into, and where I'm like, I think this is the Lord. It has a date attached to it. Has a date attached to it. Doesn't have a year attached to it, but has a date attached to it. And and I'm going like, I think this is the Lord, and I think it's the, for this particular year. And but there's so much involved in kind of. The journey that I really want to call people to is what you're talking about, that there, I think movement happens when you grab a hold of what the Lord is saying. Yeah. And you're speaking what the Lord is saying, but when you grab a hold of what the Lord is saying, how do you navigate what can be somewhat of a complex, messy, not in a negative term, but messy kind of environment of hearing the Lord? First of all, let me, let me make a, a, a comment on what's happened with these elections and all this prophetic dreams and all this stuff, all confusing. The body of Christ yeah. is reacting. Uh, my main concern right now is not to put a harness on the prophecies. My main concern is that people get jaded on the prophetic. Yes, yeah. agreed. That they just turn off to it. I agree. Because this is what the enemy wants to do. Put everything in, in a cynical perspective. Yep. Dreams are not to be the, the thing that, that you build your whole life on a dream. Yeah. I'm like Gideon. God, give me a dream. And then it's, give me another, give me another, give me another, give me another, give me another. <laughs> I am bartering with God. I am not doing a dream and say, wow, no, I'm not doing that. I'm listening to counsel. I'm in yeah. probably months and weeks uh, of stewing over this stuff. And then dreams don't always come out the way you think they are, but they somehow point you yeah. to a distant reality that's real. And though it may not come out the way you think it is or in the timing, yes. the fact is those dreams keep you alive. Once you start doubting and becoming cynical, God has nothing to say to a cynical man. And we've got a whole generation of kids that are actually open to the prophetic, but because they're not turning out at the right, they think it's coming tomorrow. Let's talk to Abraham about a faith to live by for 25 years, dominated living his life under the shadow of one dominating prophecy. You're going to have a boy. I refuse to get off those lines. Mm. Yeah. I'm dominated with uh, under the shadow of prophecies. And I, a lot of times they don't come out the way I think they're going to come out, but I'm still being drawn into it because he's not just the giver of dreams. He's the one that shapes him. He can rewrite the script. God is a prophet. I love that passage where it says, by a prophet they were led out of Egypt and by a prophet they were sustained. Yeah. Mm. The yeah. prophetic sustains the prayer movement. The prophetic sustains the personal life. You live under those shadows of those prophecies. I don't know if that answers the question, but I'm not just shooting out there in the dark and just doing yeah. suddenly a dream. We're getting dreams, whirlwinds, confirmations. And then what happens is, this is what I do. I tell the story. Years ago, I, I, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, do you want me to tell all these dreams and stories that are swirling around me? Is this pride? If I keep telling these things, and he spoke to me, if you stop telling these stories, movements won't occur. Wow. Little did I realize that what I've seen, I've just kept telling the stories. And 
God takes care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lou, I, I, one of the things that I, I just so appreciate about what you're sharing is I'm just listening to it because you know, th- these are things that Banning and Becky and I talk about a lot is that we, we, even in this conversation about leadership, one of the things that so grieves my heart is this entire conversation in the church is so dominated by people who are trying to figure out leadership apart from a word of the Lord. And apart from the spirit of leadership, the 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 way the Holy Spirit would come inside and and move, and actually that that so much of what leadership is meant to be is that God is leading and He's inviting us to discern Him, hear Him, follow Him, and move in that kind of radical Holy Spirit empowered life in the midst of that. And and I I feel like what's happened is that so many people think leadership is what you do. To answer all of the, to, to, to almost be the person who's answering the direction yourselves when I think so much of leadership is how to be faithful when God is speaking that kind of direction for us. And I just think what that vacuum that's in the body of Christ, I, I want to, I want to ask you this question is, is when I look, when I look at the voices talking about leadership, I don't hear anybody talking about what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I want to, I want to even like, what do we do to reclaim like spirit-led leadership as the normal for Christian leadership and not as, I mean, I've heard thousands of talks on leadership and I've, and I've heard about spirit-led leadership, but but the way you're even yeah. approaching it of, of this is the simple non-negotiable reality. Yeah. God speaks, we do, is, is not the platform of what I hear the body of Christ talking about in leadership. What do we do? How do we get back to that? We've got to go back to the book of Acts. Mm. The book of Acts is, is it all comes from above. <laughs> yeah. You know, it starts with a prophetic word from Jesus, Terry here in Jerusalem. What if they would have reasoned themselves out of the prophetic? Come on. Wow. wow. One moment of revelation is far greater than a lifetime of calculation. Mm. Reasoning around the prophetic talking ourselves out of it. When I look at the book of Acts, it is the government of the Spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And right now, I mean, I, I maybe have w- read one leadership book in my whole life. <laughs> I, I never even thought about it. The thing that always gripped me is I just wanted to hear God's voice. Yeah. And when I followed that voice, but see, you, you know, a lot of the times, the prophetic comes and gives you a massive dream, and then your dream becomes a nightmare. Mm. Usually the dream becomes a nightmare. That's why people don't want to deal with the prophetic, because God is not so much into the voice. He is into the voice. He's into creating the man who can carry the voice. And so, so as a leader, leadership is forged in the loneliness of the discipline of delays. Yes. You, you, you don't become a leader because you've got a dream. <laughs> you become a leader because you become the fulfillment of that dream. Yes, yes. And the prophet, he's, he doesn't just give prophetic words. The prophet becomes the embodiment of the prophetic word. Yeah. That's why when he speaks, you can hear people give prophecy and nothing moves inside of you. But the person that lives the prophecy inwardly, in the delays, in the tests, in the facing of failures, which 
is the greatest challenge for a prophet or any leader is when you face, come to face with your own depravity and your own failures and everything screams within you, you're disqualified. Mm. But God's voice comes to you again. A wrestling in my soul in the last few weeks. Last night, God in his love came into me and I saw a man teaching on the glories of the kingdom of God. And in the dream, I am so shocked with the awe of God. I'm slain in the spirit. And it's like mm-hmm. the Lord says, I, I, the God who hunts me down, who searches me with this fiery love of Yah, who will never let me go, his love is stronger than death. These are the things that forge the leader, the prophet. I'm not boasting, but wherever I go, people say, Lou, I don't want to understand it. But where, whenever I hear you, my heart starts yes. burning inside. Yes. Yep. And I feel like you're my father. I hardly could, I, I, didn't even, I didn't father you, Banning. You just hung around me a little bit. But you caught something inside of me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think, I don't, I don't, I'm just kind of blown up, but I think there's so much emphasis on leadership. Maybe there needs to be emphasis on catching the burning fire of God and going through the, the journeys in the wilderness so that when you come out of the desert, you're a voice raging. Mm. It's not the, the, all this, I was just pondering uh, the, the, the cell phone addictions that keep us from the voice. Yeah. We're going to to produce leaders that are excellent on cell phones and social media. God hasn't changed his methods. He's still looking for better men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I, I read one book on leadership by by a guy named Clinton, and this is the thing. I think I'm all over the place, but maybe somebody's getting something. This is fantastic, yeah. And he said this. He called it something called convergence. You've heard me preach it. And that is this. God will give you a prophetic word that's so explosive. And in that prophetic word is your charismatic DNA. It's all in that word, your vision, your purpose, all the gifts. People have said, Lou, your gift is your voice. God gives gives people's voices as part of the gift mix of leadership. Yeah. But then he says, But then he gives that charismatic DNA, that vision, and then he says, now I'm going to go to work on your character. When your character is formed, when he forms your character to contain your charisma, and when it meets in your kairos moment, you step into your convergence. And it's like, my God, this is what I was created for. It's incredible. All those little years, Ben, you know. Yeah. Praying in small prayer meetings with this big vision that I just carried that I would do Joel 2 gatherings for years. And then a woman comes and says, I'm going to pay your salary. And she pays my salary for 15 years and funds the call to millions of dollars. Yeah, it's incredible. And my little prayer meeting becomes 400,000. Can people wait? See, the times make the man, not just the man makes the times. Mm. Yeah. We, sometimes we just have to wait. I love what you're saying. And I think as well, something that stirs my heart is the prophetic is so connected to obedience. Mm-hmm. I, I just think obedience just moves the heart of God. 
just the desire to be obedient to what he's asking of me. Mm-hmm. No matter how crazy it is, no matter what kind of risk it is, no matter how much I look like a fool in it all. No matter just how that, small it is. Yeah, no matter how small it is, just the heart to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What So much of what you're saying, uh, Lou, you were, you were just with us here at Jesus Culture for a House of Glory, and you said something about the, the prayer meeting. You said it started, you know, with 120 <laughs> at a prayer meeting, and you talked about maybe we need to stop measuring church growth by how many yeah. are there, but who's in the prayer meeting. Can you talk about how the modern-day leader, we need to redefine success? Like so much of this requires, you know, the books, the measurements, we have so much analyzing in a measure of success. And we've defined it. This is what church success looks like. This is what life success looks like. It's this much, this much in your bank account, this much, you know, how we have to redefine what that looks like if we're going to be spirit-led leaders. Yeah, I think that's a profound statement, Becky. I heard a great leader say that when Jesus left the earth, he the only thing he left behind was a prayer meeting. He didn't, he didn't leave behind an evangelistic, an evangelistic program. He didn't leave behind a church. He left behind an upper room, and that upper room has been shaping history ever since. The intangibles of prayer is why it's so difficult, because people want to have tangible things to raise money. <laughs> they want tangible things. But you see, I'm living in the fruit of 40 years of fasting, and I did long fast 40 years ago, or 36 years ago probably, long fast that I'm still reaping the rewards of it, even though I could not see what was going on. So when my pastor, Cheon, he he asked me to come, and we would do evaluations every year, how you doing, how's your youth ministry doing? And I said, well, I didn't do too good. It didn't grow very much. And, And he says, oh, don't worry about it, Lou. What you're bringing are the intangibles. Give us, yeah, and it set me free to be who I am. I am not an evangelist. I I can't do Cheon. He gets him saved in a minute. I get him saved in 20 years. (laughs) But I pray, and down the road, hundreds of thousands are moved to little prayers that we prayed years ago in small little groups. And I remember the times when I had to have 120 in my garage pounding away with the spirit of prayer. And then I remember the time when little old lady from another church would show up and it was just she and I with my five-string guitar. Oh, I think God is more moved in permittings like that than the fiery ones. Yeah. I mean, I know we're recording a podcast, but I feel like I'm having a personal revelation over here. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't uh, the thing that I'm just so moved by it's just the arrogance that we function in leadership with. And Lou, I'm just listening to you talk and the simplicity of obedience. And I was with, you know, I was recently, I'm uh, deeply connected with YWAM in my life and, mm. and uh, uh, was with, was with YWAM Kona recently with Andy and had a chance to spend time with Lauren and Darlene Cunningham and who founded YWAM. And I'm hearing them share, share their story and, we were processing just some things about life. And, and, and I just watched them not only tell the story about everything that was built off the simplicity of hearing God's voice, yes. but now so many years later in significant leadership, we were talking about significant leadership decisions they had to make. And their simple response was, we'll wait for the voice of the Lord. 
And I, I just, I just feel this burning in my own heart as we're trying to raise up a revival movement of a new generation. And it's almost like we've come to this, like with some kind of sense of arrogance of we have this profound leadership gift to offer. And yet we've overlooked the most simple things of going, what would it look like to return as a church to go, you want to know what? I'm going to hear God's voice. Hmm. I'm going to get a word. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. And even, I'm just even thinking about, you know, Banning and you and I have talked about this before, this this moment with, with Bill Johnson that changed my life. It was, it was just a sermon that he spoke, but he talked about the psalm or the proverb that, that talks about as a, as, a, as, a, as a servant looks to his master, as a maid looks to his mistress. So I look to you, Lord, in this, this reality of what happens in the human heart when God is the singular answer for our needs. Mm-hmm. And that picture of going, I just think we've created a, a culture of leadership where, like James 1, where we go to God, we ask him. But the minute we ask him, five seconds later, we're, we're, we're turning around and we're, we're solving the problem ourselves with our own stupid solutions that actually cannot produce the, what we're longing to produce. And that, that longing in me, that longing in us, just, I mean, I just think this is the dream of Jesus culture and what binds us all together in yeah. this is going, what would it look like to r- restore and reclaim a generation that goes, no, Lord, I, I look to you and I'm not moving. I'm like not moving. You are my word. You are my answer. You are right. That you're the prophet who spoke me out in the prophet who sustains me. You're it. And I'm not, I'm not moving until you move and write the word banning you carry all the time. There's no, there's no promised land without him. And I just feel like modern forms of leadership are trying to make up for a promised land without him. And I just don't want it. I, so anyways, I, I'm just like, I know I'm rambling now, but I'm, I'm awesome. just so moved because I want this. Yeah. I, I want it. I only not long for it in my own life. I long for it in the body of Christ. What you're talking about is a simple revolution. Just to say we don't do any. I mean, Jesus is the most unoriginal man there ever lived. He only, everyone wants to be original. He only did what he saw his father doing. Yeah. That's a radical statement. And that would create a revolution. I was just thinking, Phil, probably the clearest example of spirit-led leadership is Lauren Cunningham and YWAM. They, they, they sit around and they say, okay, let's wait for the still small voice of God. Man, I, I freak out. I, I, what? <laughs> but what we, we, we do, our simple method is dream stream. Yeah. If you hang around the dream king, you get into a dream stream, join yourself to a dream team, do the Martin Luther King thing. <laughs> we we sit around and we I'll will discuss in our prayer meetings. We'll go 45 minutes listening to God, sharing yeah. our dreams. And there are moments of times when you could almost feel there is a convergence in a moment. And it almost, the presence falls and we know we're standing in the council of God. <laughs> that is so stunning with such sovereign confirmation, then we know, and then we risk everything. I think banning that issue of obedience, risking everything. The fact is that uh, following the voice is not a science. There is always this sense of who knows. This deep underlying, uh, maybe this is not right, but there's always this sense, who knows. When When I sold my house, to buy that stadium. <laughs> there was this deep sense that God, I'm, I'm risking my, my children's inheritance and future. 
but there was such joy in my heart. And the God would just come along and confirm. And I remember the final confirmation is I went into a restaurant and there was John Arnott from Toronto. First message I ever heard him at Mod Auditorium at, it, for the first message of the revival in Mod Auditorium in 1994, he preached on By the Field. At this restaurant, I run into John Arnott. I haven't seen him for months. Like the first word he says, hello, Lou and Therese, by the field, by the field, by the field, by the field. I had been asking God, do you want me to buy the field? Joy unspeakable came in my heart. But there was always this sense, I don't know if they're even coming. Yeah. One of the things we've also done with leadership and the voice of God, we didn't do movements. I never did a call without extended fasting because I didn't want an event. I wanted a breakthrough in the heavens. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think our leadership's got to think breakthrough in the heavens. Air force must win the battle of air supremacy if the ground forces yeah. are going to win the battle on the ground. Listen, the great leaders, Eisenhower's Battle of Normandy, it would be unthinkable to send your men onto those fields of Normandy without blasting the heck out of the German forces. For me, air supremacy is a whole new field. I believe there's coming a revolution of missions and church that we do nothing without, first of all, winning the battle of the heavens. Lou, I, I sure appreciate you taking the time. I think I find that when I'm with you, um, it's, it, it's just a chiropractic adjustment, you know? Oh, it's absolutely. just that thing where uh, things maybe start getting out of alignment and then just crack, 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 crack. It's all like everything gets back aligned to how it's supposed to be. And I think that these are the conversations we have to have, especially because uh, even Becky on the thing, and just a heart to raise up the next generation. Who are we raising up? How do they interact with God? How do they lead? How do they go engage the call? How do they do this stuff? Mm. And uh, just every time you speak, it just feels just that, that, that readjustment again, just to keep the main thing the main thing and just the simplicity of it all as well. I mean, it's, 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 uh, the fight is not easy, but the simplicity of it is is really i think we do i think we get so complex with things when it's way more simple so uh when i was i raised in a dysfunctional family when i got married i i vowed that i would never have children i was so afraid of becoming a mother afraid of the abuse my my mother um did to me i said i don't i don't want kids i got married when i was 19 when i was 20 I started running with Banning, and he adopted me as a daughter. And I had a dream. I had never met you. I had never even heard you speak, actually. And I had a dream, and in the dream, I was standing with red tape over my mouth. And I had never, I didn't know about your movement. I wasn't, I was in the dream. I had red tape over my mouth. I didn't understand. And you marched up the center aisle, and you came to me, and you, you took the tape off, and you said, do you want to see an end to abortion? And I said, yes. And you said, then have your son. <laughs> and I said, I, I, said I, I, don't, I don't know. And you said, what's his name? And I'm in the dream and I'm weeping. And, and you said, say his name. And I said, Julian. And I said, I don't know when he'll come. And you said, 7-11. I woke up, I'm 20 years old. <laughs> and I woke my husband up and I said, we got to have kids. And so we waited, you know, I told Banning about the dream. He said, write that down. You'll hold on to that dream, you know. Um, fast forward six years later, I have my daughter. She's the light of my life. And I, I said, I want another one. 
So we began to try for another one, and they told us we were running into some medical issues, and they said, we're not sure if it's going to happen for you. And I said, but I had a, I had a dream, and Lou said I would have a son. <laughs> and I kept praying, and we, everybody prayed alongside us and with us. And <laughs> 10 years after the dream, my husband's at an event where you and Therese are there. And he tells Therese the dream, and she prayed for him. We got pregnant a month later, and I have a son. His name is Julian, and uh, it's just beautiful to to sit here and I'm talking to you. And that that dream is a part of his life. We think he's going to do something to help end abortion. To hear this story, probably one of the greatest one of the great stories for me. I need it. I need you to write it down, and uh, because. I mean, people dream about me. People dream about me, and they'd never heard my name before. Do you know what that means to me? It's not only just for you. It means, Lou, I have loved what you've done with that life tape all these years in front of the Supreme Court. That is like the mega kiss from heaven. Thank you, Becky, for making this one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Listen, great way to end. Lou, thank you for jumping on with us. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Make sure you check out the World Vision Chosen program. Uh, You can get more information on that. Really great to have you. We'll be back again. See you guys. 